Welcome to Uninterrupted. This podcast was merely curated with one goal: to build a community, a familiar thread to connect with like-minded individuals, a community where one can find purpose, one that serves you that feeling of warmth, one where you feel you belong. Our episodes feature unfiltered, free-flowing, and candid conversations with women from different walks of life who've created an impact in their own fields. So gear up to be inspired. I'm your host Samriddhi Tanija. And this podcast has been presented by MirarByStyle.me. It is the world's first ever augmented reality technology platform that enables virtual try-ons in real time for brands in the retail industry. Today, I'm in conversation with one of my favorite marketeers, Shreya Soni. She studied at Delhi University and then at Warwick. She worked as a senior consultant at EY in London and returned to Delhi in 2013. Today she runs one of India's leading experiential marketing agencies called Delhi Secret Supper Club and also runs a foundation called Picturewala. She's curated beautiful immersive campaigns for brands from Bombay Sapphire to DLF Mall of India to Monkey 47 to Shantanu and Nikhil and also for the city like Jin Express and my personal favorite the Thali tradition. Shreya welcome to Uninterrupted and thank you for taking the time out and speaking with me. Thanks Sam that's such a lovely introduction thank you okay so um you've had a very interesting career trajectory from being a consultant to running yeah. a supper club that you anonymously for 4 years to now leading yeah. a 360 degree marketing agency so i'm curious like what was it that te- led you to start a secret supper club in delhi that to back in 2013 you know i wish i had a like a sexier answer <laughs> for this question and it's it's possibly one of like the most asked questions um but honestly like the one word response to that is is boredom um yeah. i moved back at a point where um you know i think like the city had evolved and it kind of transformed in a way that like from a cultural point of view it was bursting at its seams you know we we'd never seen delhi kind of like um have access to so many cultural mediums and formats right as it did back then and and it was a city that had come back to and and i was you know just really in love with the city i came back to however what i thought was painfully missing was just that quality of conversation i think it was quite like um pocketed and and it was residing within like specific corners um sometimes even under the same roof right. and yeah. and i think the common complaint that you would kind of end up hearing again on weekend would be you know where are those like minded interesting people and 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 the common thing i would hear was you know you'll have to go to bombay for that and i was like what yeah. so if you kind <laughs> no of like way. hear more than like you know 10 people say the same thing and in my head i was like well you're interesting you kind of join and connect those dots and just to understand that you know the interesting like-minded people exist they only need that kind of uh safe screen legitimate platform to connect and then kind of see if the magic unfolds and i think just kind of like taking proactive action on that deep seated <laughs> boredom yeah. is what gave birth to the supper club 
correct me if i'm wrong but you know experiences yeah. have always been at the core of dsse like you know that's what mm. makes dsse dsse but yeah. currently we're sort of experiencing a rebalancing of the way that the world functions you know from how we For talk sure. to how we shop to how we sleep like it everything is sort of taking a 360 turn yeah. and you know some brands have always had this you know um, a first digital first and digital only approach while yeah. some are looking to get started and explore this vast sort of digital horizon so what yeah. is the transition been like for dsse you know so i want to say i think the i'm i'm going to kind of rewind and give you a little bit more context of how we started um yeah. and what we are today and maybe that will paint the broader mm. kind of narrative of the what and the how and the when see when we started in 2013 i think one of the biggest hooks and the core kind of usps of this social experiment so to speak was that it was being run anonymously so neither party of that entire experience spectrum had an understanding of who was behind it so neither the member or the guest mm. and nor the kind of like you know location partners or brands attached to any of those experiences i think because anonymity was such a crucial hook for this company for four years it was essential that we kind of like build that very essential trust and faith with either side of that bridge of consumer and maker via doing it offline um the right. fact that you know there was already a veil of anonymity um it kind of like really puts you two steps back in that very important trust building exercise with whoever you're like aiming to communicate with so um could we have done it online 100% but i i see like greater stickiness and there's a sense of romance and um you know almost like deep seated connection when you can kind of have the touch and feel experience of, of the same communication so yeah. i think why we kind of like were more offline centric and on ground and like the touch and feel centric for four years was solely because you know you were already kind of like tackling one big challenge which was the anonymity um it was around like year 2 or maybe 3 i want to say when we kind of realized that there's so many great stories to be told from from the city that were emerging you know right from like kind of like taste makers culture makers artists uh, products spaces you know there was so much good content out there that why kind of restricted down to one vertical of storytelling which was kind of like our uh, on ground social constructs where you allow people to make the made curves etc so i think at that point in time um we started dabbling with doing the same job which was basically the objective of telling the good story but on an online medium so we started tapping into digital um kind of platforms we started like you know started our own blog um and then there on what happened was i want to say like in the last four three and a half years i think across the globe and this is not india specific but across the globe across industry segment I think just adding that online format or medium of storytelling has become fairly intrinsic to any product. Yeah. Um and I think kind of like in response to that it was a fairly organic and fluid 
add on almost to that core of which was again like literally the same right the the one core objective of this company is tell the good story so whether the, you do it on ground that allows like you know just that powerful hands on um kind of like version of it or the amplification power of the online either way you're kind of trying to tell the good story so we kind of just kind of um added on the layer when we felt the time was right and hmm. today like you rightly said it's it's an it's it's a weird <laughs> funky year where yeah. there's kind of like this heightened consumption of information content and also connection hmm. via online you know kind of platforms and mediums so i guess a lot of our solutions kind of will naturally have to incorporate that I don't think we'll ever be an online first kind of agency. Yeah, yeah. Um we will be a dual and if not like an omni channel kind of an agency our strategy will always involve that you know that multi pronged online offline kind of like tango dance. Um because I also just feel that there is great impact and power in brands to connect with their target audience in in an offline fashion so i guess you'll have to do that dual tango yeah yeah fair enough no i mean like even now whatever i've seen on dsse online it's it's yeah. still very personal so i feel like i mean you guys have been true to like you know what you stand for and what you believe in because i feel like you know even if it is anything that i see online it's it still comes across as you're talking to me like literally So I feel that's, like that's good yeah. that's good feedback that's really cool mm-hmm. because you know I mean that's that's really part of the objective that you know I mean you know this the online space is a crowded space right it's not a yeah. fairly like kind of like restricted or a lonely or like an <laughs> isolated platform at all um yeah. it's it's a crowded one it's a noisy one it's a populated one so I feel like I think till you don't kind of stick on to that two or three non-negotiable core values and for us one of it is personable experiences or that personalized storytelling yeah. i think we'll feel lost in in our mo and and which is why like we try cling on quite dearly to that um to that characteristic of like can we keep it personal can we keep that hmm. form of communication fairly tailored Yeah yeah for sure and you know like on the same lines like even yeah. when it comes to the digital sphere you know brand positioning is what makes all the difference whether you yeah. know you're trying to achieve like that awareness or engagement or incremental business at the end of the day right and exactly yeah. what you yeah. said for that like storytelling is key and you yeah. know with the given scenario the only thing is it really cannot be your business as usual marketing like you have to be a little more sensitive about your storytelling for um, sure and you know like the thing is that like you guys already top the charts for nuanced and impeccably worded storytelling so um would you have like you know any tips for brands to better their sort of art of communication in this unprecedented scenario i mean you know i'll be honest um i'm not sure we're like we we even have managed to hit bullseye yeah with with that kind of like you know that vision i think it's a constant work in progress um only because if your objective is to you know deliver authentic storytelling it is always going to be work in progress 
so when you ask me that okay cool are there like kind of like key tips or broad guidelines of what you know brands should keep in mind when they're kind of like talking online is also knowing that it's i think what what is important that you kind of almost see your brand as a person and that person will have a very unique definitive personality right so your likes will evolve and your dislikes will also evolve over time so i think it's it's good to be cognizant of the fact that your personal voice which is your brand's personal voice um should never stay static it is a human personality which is allowed to be flexible which is allowed to have kind of like multiple kind of like edits and tweaks over the course of time what you should be kind of like very very firm about is kind of holding on to certain core values and which should never exceed more than 3 to 5 so for example if i could like explain how at least we do it at dssc sure. is that you know i think we're cheeky in like our medium of communication but yeah. we will never be disrespectful and there's like a very fine thin line between exactly. cheeky and kind of sometimes even like you know uh sarcastic but that's something that we will never be so our brand bible kind of categorically states that if you can stay neutral to positive that's the kind of like general tone of voice of any communication it could be a client email it could be an internal email within colleagues of a team or it could be you know what are you putting up on like a story which is going to disappear in 12 hours so irrespective of medium i think sometimes just having that consistency in uh tone vocabulary general kind of like design language of how you want to communicate those are the core values you should stick up to quite quite tight and yeah, then yeah, yeah. around that it's a more cohesive narrative that kind of should be weaving you know the facts and the emotions that your brand hopes to evoke hmm so know your heart knows 100% yeah i feel like sometimes the yes bucket can be quite fluid and flexible yeah. like you should genuinely be quite open to experimenting and and trying new formats and mediums and and don't be that static and rigid about it but it's always good to have that anchor dropped which has your kind of like at least 3 to 5 core values on non negotiable stated yeah no that's actually great advice for like anyone who's leading like marketing or brand for you know to yeah, sort of like yeah generally you should have fun like you know yeah. i think more often than not we hear so many brands kind of like you know during those kind of like onboarding or objective setting uh, strategy meetings i think brands are so overawed or intimidated by the process of you know what should their comp strategy be and i think that's because they're just so concerned with that image that they're hoping to project yeah you know and sometimes you're just like but if that's not coming naturally to you then obviously that's not you it's always fun to sort of like at least experiment and like you know dip yeah. your toe in the water and find out like uh, maybe something just really works and i want to say like while we're at it i want to say yeah. like you know longer form of narrative has been like your strength and you know as <laughs> as as yeah. dssc strength because you know i eagerly wait for your next content piece for example like one of my favorite used to be you know how to be like a good housemate i feel like it really helped me um <laughs> yeah. i think we all needed that advice during lockdown <laughs> 
I know it's it's yeah. everyone really needed it. But you yeah. know, like, um, is this like a form of narrative that you would like? suggest to brands to sort of experiment with or no just you know do your thing and like i mean like find your own tune like do you mm. think brands should experiment with a longer form of narrative see i mean first of all thank you um <laughs> i think i like it's good to know that there's certain takers for for my never ending kind of emails <laughs> and content because Always. more often than not i'm so conscious of the fact that i can't you know kind of like really concise my my thought articulation so that's good to know but in terms of like that strategy being employed for brands across the board i would actually exercise or employ that with a fair degree of like um healthy caution because i'll tell you what like i think explanatory journalism or mm. building a longer form narrative it's extremely important and it has an important role to play in brand building okay. um i think what happens is that via long form narrative you present this opportunity for a slightly more holistic brand story to be presented to its target, target. or potential yeah. kind of audience which is super exciting right because you're getting like one step closer to them but right. i think what's happening is that it in the process of it emerging or kind of being born out of the fear that like you know like i think quality in depth um communication is being eroded by this rise of super clickbaitish hmm. um it's almost like a digital media traffic race today i think unfortunately right now what we're kind of seeing the flip of it is that it's also becoming a buzzword which is why i say exercise with caution i think it was the editor in chief of uh, the atlantic i think his name is james bennett and he said it's a really cool line and he said that you know it's almost like this fetishization of story length which implies it's like a shortcut to respectability right and and the fact of the matter is that just because you're kind of employing that research and longer form communication strategy hmm. it does not imply the same so if you are a brand that has the inbuilt knack and comfort for packing in you know research punchy language and can retain the interest and kind of like a um, sticky visual of of the reader then yeah. yes that that long form content and that form of communication is going to work for you but mm. for certain brands i feel you know it's good to be punchy and and for example like i know long form ish i mean we are going kind of in the medium to long form to be honest right. yeah. new yorker is like long form long form like they are right. the true custodians of that word we're still in between it works for brands like or agencies like us or content creators mm. like us now we're known and we're established that saath saal se these guys have been riding this way <laughs> they yeah. know how to do it and they'll figure out a way to keep it interesting fun but also like jammed with information yeah but if you look like look at a brand like say zomato mm. in less than seven words they communicate the message so beautifully Exactly. I haven't seen any of the ads whether that's like kind of a print ad or like a coding mm. or even their digital uh, their Instagram posts in yeah. less than 7 words they've kind of delivered the message really mm. impactfully and for me that works I didn't need yeah. a full paragraph there you know Right 
it's super crisp is it's, it's always super concise and like it's literally yeah. to the point yeah and and you know though their kind of one line has painted the exact picture than my probably like 10 lines would have so you know would would i would they benefit greatly hmm. if they swap to long form not at all they're doing a great job at that punchy really crisp clean kind of like content strategy Right, but right. for us i know now now we we're too kind of like we're committed so deep that if we pivot it's going to be a little bit of a sell out yeah okay so um you know in the business of creativity like for everyone yeah. ranging from like writers to advertisers marketers artists we have all yeah. often you know we've got doomed by this known devil of like a creative block um yeah. and you know i mean yeah. it's easier said than done but the sooner we sort of accept it the faster we yeah. come to terms with the fact that we need a navigation strategy around it um hmm. what is your personal hmm. perception of this barrier do you even see this as a barrier would you say like you know this is your time off to sort of refresh and recreate hmm. and all of that and if if you have any personal tricks to sort of move on from it So I have a really strange take on on that creative block okay so I think it's completely okay and I find it sometimes helpful yeah. to have that creative block I think there's this almost like self-imposed weird pressure and crushing pressure on on everyone to be like this limitless endless bottomless well of um creativity or solutions and i think it's humanly impossible right like i feel yeah. like even the most established kind of um creative marketer or copywriter out there will will kind of be honest hand to heart about it that i mean it's not an automated machine and there's only this much kind of like personal references and and incidents that you can keep tapping into i think it's okay that it comes and and sometimes it comes at extremely unfortunate times you know especially if you've been on a roll or if you're like yeah. smack in the middle of an important project and and out of nowhere you're kind of like slammed with a creative block i think the first thing i like to do is at least be somehow be mindful and aware that it's happening and i think the minute i'm slightly more cognizant and mindful that it is happening hmm. um that kind of awareness makes me clench not too tightly because in my head yeah. i'm like the the more i force myself to be creative and and it's so yeah. it's common sense right you can't yeah. force you can't squeeze it out of your any fiber your mind your soul your heart nothing so i think the minute like you're slightly more aware that it's happening my trick is just like step away from the problem if it isn't time sensitive or if there is a way for you to kind of like clearly communicate it within your team to your client even to yourself so that you know timelines are kind of respected i think it's sometimes good to move away from that kind of like challenge at hand and i think what happens is that when you're constantly like grinding and hustling and you're conjuring up these you know gems and nuggets of creativity that pressure to deliver the next thing is basically counterproductive so stepping away from the challenge for a little bit sleep over it in fact like do anything else but mm. that actual task in hand it's helped me in the past and 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 like again like i want to clarify that it's not like that one run mm. or that one night sleep or you know a one night netflix binge kind of Is yeah it's a process stick 
it could it could take sometimes for me it's taken days i think my yeah. longest creative block has been you know a double digit set of days and 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 for me i i just i have kind of trained my brain to be comfortable and accept it it's as simple as you allow that process of creativity and you allow that process of research and development i allow that process of block within me because i know at some point if, if you are creative or if you are a technical you know person whatever kind of hat you don yeah. at the end of it you will get back to it you will calibrate and you will get back to your kind of like form of operation that's fair enough i mean like sometimes it's also personally like you know it it becomes really hard because it's it's also a lot of self inflicted pressure for a lot of people where for you're constantly sure. like and that know, almost aggravates it. it yeah i've just always stuck on to this piece of advice whether that's anyone from within the team or if it's even a client and similarly i extend that same piece of advice to myself i think you have to kind of like let and you kind of have to offer flexibility to your mind Hmm. and i feel the more you clench it and the more kind of like i think there are enough pressures in our kind of work <laughs> life um yeah. it's not like you know it's a blank slate and there's it's all exciting and hunky dory and sunshine and flowers so if it's already not that kind of an environment and it that's not the general construct of your daily working day yeah i think adding on more layers of kind of self inflicted like pressure um doesn't doesn't help anyone and and least to fall your client Fair and enough. i feel like your yeah. biggest responsibility usually is towards your client and your customer and of course to yourself and your team but hmm. i think the more you kind of like try really squeeze it out that creative block almost gets bigger and bigger yeah yeah that uh, interestingly that like leads me to my very next question uh oh, where cool. just want to understand does yeah. delhi secret supper club have like a secret motivational mantra that's working for your team right now i feel like all of us can <sighs> literally like imbibe some sort of motivation from everywhere that we can like get it <laughs> yeah no for sure i feel like i am uh, constantly feeding off um different energies and different people and things i'm reading things i'm consuming seeing so yeah i like that share of energy and that exchange of energy it keeps everyone going i think what's i i haven't really uh, placed too much thought to it but i what i will admit to is i think my personal ways of working um mm. something that i have observed in the last kind of like decade or so is that i personally seek a lot of kind of purpose in movement hmm. so i feel like you know if like the one thing that was fairly clear to me um not just kind of march 2020 when covid kind of became like you know a universal extremely important challenge that we need to address but even in every other kind of like significant like dip um or kind of hurdle or some kind of a roadblock personally and professionally but i just feel that like what what is your singular objective and you have to go back to that so hmm. i think pre covid um the singular objective of dssc actually dual objective was one you got to keep saying and 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 sharing that good story yeah and secondly was to kind of innovate on behalf of your clients Hmm. should that change because of 
you know, a pandemic, I never thought I'd ever see those words, but should that change during a <laughs> pandemic? Should that change during a recession? Should that change because you're lacking motivation? Should that change because you have your creative block? Personally, I don't think so. I think as a team, you kind of like the days where you notice that person A is dipping, you know, just that open, honest communication. So that person B, C, D, E, F can kind of like pick it up. And, and as and when A is back, you know, on the roster, then, you know, that constant exchange of energy towards working, um, towards that big common objective and goal. I think yeah. that's what's really kept us going. I mean, we went into remote working, what, like a week before it was officially, you know, mm. and we were like the city was in lockdown mode. And like, I want to say overnight, you know, it was, it, this isn't something you kind of preempt. I, I mean, now I think it's always going to be something we factor in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but overnight, I mean, systems, processes, ways of working, um, everything kind of built. Yeah. And, and, and like, forget like, you know, just kind of everyone else in the team. I feel like, I think my first hundred days of like hmm. this lockdown and this new way of working involved a lot of unlearning, relearning, um, yeah. on the job training. How do you have, I mean, because it became a process of over communicating and keeping a, you know, set of other people superbly motivated and engaged, even though you can't physically be, sure. you know, under the same yeah. roof. So I think there were so many learnings, but I think that one kind of like personal mantra or like my personal uh, MO of working, which is I find purpose and movement. That's mm. the one thing that really kind of set the tone for the last five, six months, I think. And which is why we've been just kind of like marching along, you know, okay. I don't know how much of it works, <laughs> but we just kept moving. Okay, so um, another very, um, I, I won't say this is interesting, but like I got some insights from like this recent mm. survey that I was seeing. And mm. this was a survey that like a lot of marketeers participated in, out of which 45% mm. reported that a campaign launch had been delayed. 34% mm -hmm. actually say it, said that they had to alter and add creative and 26% had already cancelled like a media buy. So, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this is also like another advice question um, where, hmm. you know, even though digital is, is the future, it's almost the present as well, but marketing budgets have still fairly remained scrunched down. So do you have any piece of advice for like all marketeers to sort of carefully distribute or redistribute their spends so that like there is some sort of return on investment? So um, I think typically speaking, um, it's great to have, you know, phrases like return of investment in, hmm. in kind of like campaign management, yeah. um, typically speaking, speaking, absolutely. Hmm. I feel like a lot of those metrics need readjustment this year. And I want to hmm. say big parts of next year. Um, this, you know, very unique combination of a recession and a pandemic. This is hmm. not something that's going to get fixed with the first access to a vaccine. You know, right. the truth of the matter is that I feel the more we kind of hopefully pin and pine for that vaccine to come out, I think that's that's probably a very um, blinkered approach yeah. 
to how you want to execute and how you want to really conduct your business. Um, I think we have to kind of almost build ways and processes and, and formats that incorporates those two unique characteristics of today's marketplace. I think with that in mind, things like, and end phrases like, you know, your return of investment and media buying, etc. it will need severe readjustment. Yeah. Expectation management has to change. So I think, like, are you, are you hoping for advice from like a brand's perspective or a marketer's perspective? And then I'll tweak my advice. Brand's perspective. I think... From a brand's perspective, um, I think there needs to be greater clarity, objectivity, and and lesser kind of like emotional bias to seep in. So I keep saying that like, you know, a big part of my storytelling is um, kind of relies on personal memories and emotions and nostalgia and all of that. And I pick from that. But I think today, this decision from a brand's POV has to be completely objective and stripped from much emotion. And I think one good way of doing that is kind of like relying on factual data. So good time now for companies and brands, irrespective of segment, genre, maturity level, to kind of like sit down with their books and figure out um, a backward calculation of what is going to keep the brand going for say 12 to 18 months. And then from that, I think it's going to clearly emerge. One, what's your kind of propensity to spend? And secondly, what's going to emerge is that, you know, typically brands have a lot of flying objectives. You know, even like I want to say what objectives were relevant in, say, Jan or Feb 2020. Hmm. I want to say 85% of those brand objectives today hold no relevance. Only because the environment has changed, the complexity of the challenge has changed. And a lot of internal and external factors are not going to allow you kind of smash that objective out. So I think it's important that a revision of objectives to know more than what are your top three objectives should emerge from that. And basis those three objectives plus that information about what is the propensity to spend. I think jamming those two really crucial pieces of information should guide what you should be investing and, and thereby also these renewed uh, metrics. I mean, I, I think today brands should be allocating money towards seeing if their work is adding value to a hmm. very fractured ecosystem and a marketplace. Is it really kind of like making significant value in the lives of their consumers, new and existing? And also, like, is this also building goodwill between, you know, amongst your peers and your consumers? I think it would be quite um, narrow-minded for any brand today to be working off similar metrics that beautifully mm. worked for them last year. So I, I wouldn't really pay mad attention to things like traction and engagement and, you know, return. Even yeah. though I'm fully aware and it's a question that I'm being asked even more so today, because when you already have lesser cash to spend, then you definitely want a bigger buck, a bigger bank for your buck today. But I think the challenge is you have to really adopt a different lens and view on that topic. Completely agree. Like you can't have the same metrics. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I think there's a time and place um, and value for those metrics too. I'm just not sure if if 
right now is the time to kind of like employ and exercise those metrics fair enough fair enough okay shreya thank you so much this conversation was really insightful and i'm sure like everyone who's tuning is is only going to look at it from like an investment point of view but before we wrap I'm up so i have like yeah. i have one more really interesting segment for you so okay. for everyone Hit who's me. tuning in yeah so this is called high five and it's like a quick rapid fire <laughs> round and this is for <laughs> listeners to get to know you more up close and personal Okay so the first question is if you could host one DSSC on ground experience tomorrow which one would it be the thali tradition okay same answer same page great do it <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's so dear to all our hearts and when i say all i mean you know just kind of people um who've been our guests our loyal guests anyone who's worked on this project in the last two years so yeah I'm excited. I mean, for everyone else who doesn't know what the thali tradition is, you need to head to dssc.co or either dssc on Instagram and check it out. I promise you will not regret it. Okay, so my <laughs> next question is: Yes, this is going to be a really tough one. But if you uh-huh. were to star in like one Netflix series right now, which one would it be? Oh my God, Sam, that's really tough. <laughs> Anything that has like a really dark morbid edgy vibe to it it needs to have a couple of like murders involved now i'm um, worried i'm 100% going to be on like the detective kind of team of that show um to try crack the case obviously um yeah. and uh, yeah the general kind of like tone of that show should be super great dark edgy really needs to mess with your mind so i want to say like those those kind of shows really appeal to me i mean to, to be me. honest uh, you run a company called delhi secret sapot <laughs> <laughs> like yeah really hey. well. okay my next question is um, yeah. what are your top 3 takeaways from spending so much time at home well i want to say one um i didn't know that we have so many comfortable couches and chairs at home <laughs> This is the first time I think since the age of 18 that I've spent this much time at home. So that's oh, wow. been insanely amazing. Um the second thing I think that has been a helpful realization is for me to learn. I I never even had that kind of realization or skill yeah. in me. but for me to learn and practice and start employing the pause hmm. personally or even professionally so that's been really great and the third has been it's really sappy and it's like a sob fest kind of a realization but the third has been kind of like really being very tangibly and explicitly aware of how grateful i am for certain people and certain things in my life and i think yeah, those have yeah. been like the three really kind of like i mean so vivid kind of a uh, realization um for me in the last 5 months something that i think we all are aware of in yeah. our you know annual day to day or whatever monthly ways of working but i think i've been a lot like there's been a heightened realization of of these three things this year Fair enough. Okay, what's your top work mantra, or like, is there like a number one business principle that you operate with? Um, yeah, which is the eighty twenty principle. I think I I I have a little bit of a niggle of 
trying to get things right to the hmm. very last detail and then basically i've started employing like over the last kind of 10 15 years i've started employing the 80 20 technique which is aim for 100 but allow for hmm. 20% flexibility that it's not going to happen and derive great joy with even 80% of the realization and the execution of a plan Yeah, I feel like it's so important for everyone to realize that, and also yeah. like I feel like you know, I mean, failures are not really failures all the time. Like, like yeah, deep learnings always come thing. out of it. For sure, yeah. for sure, for sure. Okay. That twenty actually has more um, nourishing power than the eighty sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, what are the three accounts on Instagram that you've been surfing through in the last one month? Dogs of Instagram, <laughs> cute dog videos. and dssc <laughs> thank you so much again and i hope to see you very very soon i can't wait to see you thank you sam this is great fun <laughs> thank you bye for everyone who tuned in today thank you so much for taking the time out and listening to our conversation if this conversation struck a chord with you don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share this with your friends and family if you have a take on the topic we discussed or if you'd like to share some feedback please feel free to write to me I'm going to catch you next week with yet another uninterrupted conversation. Have a great evening ahead.